Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. I am the adoptive mother of four kids. I don't just talk about adoption, I live adoption. And if you're new to Adoption Now, all of our stories are on iTunes. You can find those at adoption-now.com. We tell adoption stories from the perspective of the adoptive parents, birth parents, and adoptee. We talk about foster care, embryo adoption, private infant adoption, and international adoption. So if you go to adoption-now.com, there is a story for you to connect to. We recently started a new blog called Adoption Is. We have guest writers. I write on it. It's a place to learn more about adoption. So check that out on our website as well. We do Saturday suggestions on Instagram. We have little tips to help you every Saturday on your adoption journey. So we'd love for you to follow us there. If you'd like to have your story on Adoption Now, we'd love for you to reach out. If you want to be a guest blogger on Adoption Is, you can submit a blog under 800 words about what adoption is to you. You can email me at april at adoption-now.com. So today, Noah joins us again. You were on last week and here you're back. I can't believe it. I don't know how you got me here two weeks in a row. What a bonus. (laughs) We are celebrating our 11-year anniversary this month, and I wanted you to come on the story because, first of all, it's very rare that we have a birth mother share her story like we did last week, where she feels like this is what she was meant to do. Not only meant to do, but had very little grief connected to placing her daughter. She feels like the story of adoption in her life empowered her. And changed her life. And so she came on last week. It was like, we kept asking her these questions like, are you sure that you didn't feel, you know, X, Y, and Z like these other birth mothers? And she really feels like, no, this is her story. And it happened three and a half years ago. So she's had time to feel that grief. And she just really wanted to feel love and a positive experience. I mean, were you surprised by that? Yeah, I was surprised a little bit by it. I think we've had so many different experiences where it's been different that it's really exciting to get to know both sides too, right? So we got to hear her story last week and I'm really excited to hear your story this week. Yes, it's going to my story. Oh, your story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sharing my story. No, Those story. are been recorded. <laughs> Today we do have the parents on that we're talking about and we can't wait. Laura's full story is at adoption-now.com. You can hear that and catch up. But Alan and Jen, we welcome you to the show. Thank you both for being on. Thank you so much for having us. This is great. So Jen, you're a doula, a body worker, and co-founder of a wellness nonprofit. Alan, you co-own a successful plumbing business. And Jen, you're Filipino, and Alan, you're from Ireland. And I love that Noah's on the show too, because When I pre-interviewed Jen, I love your story. I mean, like above the adoption story, I love your love story and the way that you met. Your story, it it was very inspiring and just the way that you came together. I'd love for you guys to share that. Jen, you started your story off when you talked to me. You had a very difficult first marriage and you were coming out of a lot of grief. Can we start there? Sure, yeah. Yeah. That is true. I was coming out of a lot of grief. I had had a pregnancy, which ended kind of dramatically in emergency surgery. So then after that, I took a leave of absence from my teaching job 
and um, decided after a while to go to healing arts school to understand, you know, to do something with my time and energy, but also to understand what healing process involves, you know, on a deep level. And I really got that from the program that I joined. From that time, I just really went through my whole life, basically. That program, it was a holistic health counselor program, as well as a body worker program and and energy worker program. So I learned a lot about what it means to be a human being in this world and how we come in, how we're born, you know, we live our lives, all the things that we're subjected to, and also all the love that we have available to us all the time. And so I got a real experience of myself going through my life and dealing with the grief of losing this pregnancy and then I ended up divorcing that person, you know, that my, my ex-husband. So, you know, it was big. It was a lot to go through. And I met Alan about a year and a half later after the divorce. And I was in that program. And it was like he was the second Irish person I'd ever met. And it was pretty much love at first sight. I mean, it hit us and we were like, whoa, you know, we felt like we knew each other already. You know, we were familiar to each other. Alan, did you feel that way too? Yeah, pretty much straight straight away. Yeah. <laughs> Never it hadn't felt it before. So yeah, no. And um, love at first sight, you know, quite the meeting. Uh, it wasn't an Irish bar. Uh, where else would it be, you know what I mean? But uh Oh Jen, yeah. you were looking for an Irish person. Stop it right now. <laughs> It was not. It was so wild. Yeah. I had a roommate at one of the energy work, body work courses. I went, my roommate was Irish and she was the first Irish person I met. So I went to that bar to meet her because she was a bartender at the Fiddler's Green. And boom, that's where I met Alan. That's funny because when you said that he was Irish, I'm Irish too, Fallon. And I didn't realize like Ireland Irish, like he's the real deal. And so you meet him, and there's a big age difference between you two. Uh, Yes, yes, which we didn't realize, of course, in the beginning. Well, of course, because I've seen pictures of you, and you look so young. It's your gift (laughs) in life. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Okay, so there's this age difference. So did you think, well, this is not going to work out? Yeah, well, not so after a few years, actually. You know, Alan was originally came to San Francisco for three months and literally stayed for three years. Then we went home to, he took me home to Ireland with him. And it was after that point that I thought, this is just, yeah, I don't know if this can work. He's He's young. He's young. I was just thinking, gosh, I don't know if it'll work. Alan, were you like, I want to marry her? Were you like, I don't know. I knew marriage was on the table one way or the other. And that's what, that's what I was thinking. And then I sort of felt like, you know, the age gap. And then I was on the younger side. I was only probably, I don't know, 23 at the time, something like that. So I always wanted to travel. And uh, I just thought if I didn't, you know, see the world a little bit more, that I would never really quite settle. But I was willing, I was thinking about getting married, you know what I mean? So that's what I did. I just, we just sort of decided to separate. And I went off traveling for a couple of years. But, Where did um, you go for a couple of years? I went down to the South Pacific, like to Polynesian Islands, Fiji, and then I lived in New Zealand for six or six or eight months. And then I went to Australia, lived there for a while and worked there. 
And then when I went, traveled around Southeast Asia, you know, Singapore, Malaysia, um, Thailand, China, all those countries. Traveled around there for a few months as well. So, and then back to Ireland for a little while. But once I got back to Ireland and had done all that, got that out of my system, I was like, oh, you know what? I need to get back to San Francisco and get back to Jen. So I was ready to get married. And Jen, were you available? Well, not exactly. <laughs> but I, I made myself available and I knew I wanted to be available for him. I actually had been proposed to, you know, and I so I was trying to move on with my life. And the person I was with proposed to me and gave me a ring and the whole thing. And I, I actually could not put the ring on. I mean, you know, I just, I told him, I just am not ready for this. And, and meanwhile, he knew about Alan, you know, Alan and I stayed in contact those two years. He was away all except for four months of it when he was in, in Australia and didn't have a phone, but I did break it off with a guy before Alan came back to San Francisco for sure. Like I, you know, wanted to be clear about that. So yeah, I made myself available. And, and you guys got back together. And how long did you date before you got married? Not very Not long. long. Couple of months. <laughs> couple of months. Yeah, a couple of months. He came back just before New Year's 2016, I think it was, or 2017. No, 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 2007. I mean, 07, sorry. You're, you're ten, year, <laughs> 10 years ahead of yourself there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was really mm-hmm. quick. We we decided to get married and we, you know, did it really quick. We didn't have either of our families there. We just invited a few friends and a friend of mine married us. It was a beautiful ceremony. And then we started trying to get pregnant right after that. So how long were you trying before you decided we should look into adoption? Probably three years. Mm-hmm. At least, if not, yeah, yeah. If not more. No, it was, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we tried IVF a few times as well along the way, you know, first, and then it was at the end of that, then we decided, we, we were thinking about adoption along the way as well, kind of parallel, but not quite followed hard, you know what I mean? Because we were still doing rounds of IVF. But how long, I, I don't know, it's probably five, three I, I don't know. I'm very bad with numbers and years. <laughs> so, yeah, you might know. You but might a while. Know. You guys were trying a for a while. And were you both yeah. open to adoption? I would have liked to think that I was, but then it was sort of like hopeful on the IVF thing. So I sort of didn't explore too much or didn't go there too much. But then I wasn't maybe as open to it because I didn't understand it, I guess. Do you know what I mean? So it maybe took a little bit to sort of bring me around. But... Once I understood it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is, this is super cool. This is the way to go. Well, yeah, because you had the perfect story. <laughs> the yeah. perfect birth mom. Perfect birth mom, perfect story. I mean, yeah. I do think Honestly. that there was a lot of grief before that. I had someone write in and say they didn't like the word triad. And I use triad because I think that in an adoption, you have to have a triad. Now you can have a constellation, you can have other things to call the other people in your adoption, the social workers, but you have to have a triad to have an adoption happen. You have to have a birth mother, you've got to have parents, and you've got to have the adoptee, right? Those three things have to be in play. And so we don't end necessarily with a triad because I know it's upsetting for some people, but I had this lady write in and she said, well, I don't like triad because it means that it's equal and the adoptee loses everything. 
And I thought, mm-hmm. I thought about it and I'm like, oh, that's, that's like a heavy filled well, with grief comment. Right. But that is not true. Adoptive parents have gone through a lot of grief, many miscarriages, often IVF, lots of uh, disappointment and financial breaking. I mean, to say that is not listening to the whole adoption community. It's just looking at your own grief. And, and I mean, we recognize that, but there's a lot of grief that goes into what you guys have been through. And so I'm happy for you that you guys got a perfect adoption story, but I do think it's very rare. I mean, Noah and I have been interviewing families for years now and talking to your birth mother last week, we were like, what? Yeah. So amazing. Okay, we have to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about how you guys matched and what you guys were thinking, because she talked about how it was a wonderful first date, and you guys were strolling along on the beach, and how you guys approached that, because sometimes for adoptive parents, it can be nerve-wracking to meet the birth parents. It's not just, mm-hmm. you know, nerve-wracking for them. It's There's nerves all around, and so I want to hear what you guys have to say about that. So when we come back, we're going to talk about it. You're listening to Adoption Now. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Noah, April's husband. Thank you so much for donating on Giving Tuesday. We are a nonprofit and love your help in telling adoption stories. If you missed Giving Tuesday, don't worry, you did not miss your chance to give. There is still time in 2018. You can go to adoption-now.com and click donate. If you have an adoption story you'd like to share, you can also apply to be on the show by clicking tell your story. Thank you so much for listening to Adoption Now and spreading the word about the show. We have grown 120% this year, and your donation helps give adoption a voice. Thank you for telling your friends, churches, and agencies to tune in. Keep up the good work. We cannot wait for 2019. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today, we're talking to Alan and Jen, the adoptive parents of Laura's baby, who was on last week. And they're just going through their incredible story and how they connected with Laura and Jerome and this lifelong relationship that they're in and this beautiful baby that has come out of it. Noah joins me today. Noah, I mean, this is an incredible story. It really is. It's rare to hear anything It makes me happy when we can tell like really happy stories. I mean, I tell all stories. I want to know every perspective. I want to know every aspect because the more stories we tell, the more we understand what children need, what families need. And when we can understand what they need, we can help them. We can support a family. And so I'm, I'm in it to win it. I love all adoption stories, but let me tell you, this one is like making my heart like so happy. So not, not where you are in your story right now, though. You're in this part where you've tried IVF and you're three to five years in and you're just thinking this is not going to happen. And so you're coming around to the decision to pursue adoption. How did you pick an agency? We basically looked online and and even before that, we, we actually went to an adoption conference in Oakland. I'm blanking on the name of the organization that puts it on, but Adoption Connection was actually connected to helping oh, okay. to organize it. So that was partly how we did it. Yeah. We we went to this conference, we listened to speakers, we listened to, you know, adoptees and adoptive parents and birth parents and birth moms mostly. And we educated ourselves. We just, you know, wanted to hear people's experience about it. And then we just chose Adoption Connection because I think we made a connection with, with the director there. And we went then we went to an orientation. And they're close by. They're here in San Francisco. So that was something that was a positive for us, a plus. And that's how we chose. 
So after you did your home study and got your profile book already, how long did you wait? It took us a while to get the profile book and just everything together. It was quite the process, you know, once we decided and then filling out all the paperwork and the new questions, because they want every single detail about you and your family. So that took a little while. Were Um, you surprised at that, Ellen? Because I don't know what it's like in Ireland, but... Is it similar, or did you feel like, why are we filling out all this paperwork? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely, yeah. I mean, I don't know, being Irish, I mean, I don't know whether it's me or just, I think it's in general the country, you just might not be as outspoken or just kind of keep the cards close to the chest kind of thing, say, say nothing until you hear more kind of thing, you know, that's the same we have. Like, but, yeah, I was, there was a lot of stuff, and you have to make a brochure, and your pictures and I don't know for me it was like you're putting a lot out there like a lot of private stuff that I would think is private you know what I mean so some of that was difficult but it I don't know I think it just came to a point where it's like you know what this is all for, for, for the good you know what I mean so I just sort of just got to a point where it's fine and once I went to the adoption called an expo whatever it was and then classes and stuff like that I mean it didn't take long to kind of see the good side of you know open adoption that kind of thing so but, yeah, you're right. I mean, I was a little bit taken back by all the information and all the stuff you have to share and all the stuff you have to do so and fill out. But it was cool. I got through it. I am going to say that's our new quote. If you want to keep your cards close to the chest, don't do adoption. <laughs> because it is all on a piece of paper. I remember when we were handing our home study over to a lawyer in Florida, and I just remember feeling like every thing about me is on pieces of paper that you're about to read. I mean, everything, right? Your finances. I mean, just us, like everybody in your family. Yes. Not just the media family either. It's like everybody. You have to talk about all your relationships and you know, all the, how do you feel about your dad? How do you, and it's like, Oh my gosh, you have to go way back in your life. And I mean, it's a lot, our home studies, and I, I think it's great that they really do protect the child that way. And they really do yeah. want to know every bit of it. But I do think it's a big shock, especially if you're not used to just blaring out your information. So you got through everything right. and you yep. got your profile book up. And then how long before you got the call before you knew that there was a birth mother looking at you and another family? It was actually only eight months. We got the call on January 2nd. I still remember it. We we had just finished a day of snowboarding with a good friend of mine. The phone rang, and it was the adoption agency. And she said, yep, there's a birth mother who would like to meet you. Okay, and, so they didn't um, tell you that you were being looked at with another family. They did mention they did. that. Okay. They said, yeah, they said she wants to meet you, and there is one other family so we definitely did not get our hopes up, but we were excited that somebody was actually reaching out to us. So. It is so exciting to remember that call. Yes, yes. The birth mother call when you pick up the phone and either a baby is born or you're about to get matched. I mean, you just feel like the room is spinning. You're so excited. And and your first baby, you're like, I hope they pick me. I hope they pick me. Now like that we've been through adoption so many times, we're like, okay, I hope that they pick us, but we also want the baby to go to the right home always. Mm-hmm. And that is what's so important. And what I would tell parents right now, if you're waiting on a list and you're one of those families, but they didn't choose you, it's because it wasn't your baby, but your baby's coming 
Don't lose hope. Don't get disappointed. There's nothing wrong with you. And it could be, as Noah said earlier, it could be that they picked because the other family had a golden retriever or, I mean, it's just (laughs) picked on so many different things that your baby is coming. Even if you have to wait a little bit longer, I wish somebody would have said that to us because it's so disappointing when it's not a match, but she did end up picking you. She did. So then what? Oh my gosh. (laughs) It was it was pretty amazing because we actually emailed letters back and forth with her and Jerome. Jerome was writing us letters as well. And then we would answer and they would send us pictures. And, you know, we just had a really nice exchange that way before we met in person. So we met in person. And once we met in person, we kind of really just knew, you know, because I don't know what energetically and just in every way, we all got along so beautifully and it just felt friendly and loving. As you were strolling down the beach, she talked about it as like the perfect first date. And you guys, did you invite them to your house? Yeah, they came to our house. Did the agency say that was fine? Yeah, they left it up to us to decide how we wanted to do it. How Um, did you come to that decision? We don't know, to be honest. Do you remember that, Alan? I mean, it seems like it was was natural. Naturally, I just come to the house. You know, because I I do think they said, if I remember correctly, I think they wanted to see where we live, like as in where the baby Ava at that time could possibly, you know, live or grow up. You know what I mean? So I seem to remember that as being a thing that they asked for. Like and we were just like, yeah, cool, whatever. Come That's that. really brave. Wow. Very brave. Mm-hmm. I have some adoptive families right now that are listening and they're like squirming in their chair like, what? Listen, it doesn't always work out like that. And you have the right to say, I don't want them to know my address. You know, every story is different. And if you feel the birth mother is unsafe, then don't allow her into your home. I mean, that's your choice. And you can meet at other places. And you have a right as an adoptive parent to say, this doesn't make me feel comfortable. And if you guys would have said that, it wouldn't have been a match. And that would not have been your baby. Because what she wanted was to see where you lived. She wanted open adoption. And she wanted you to feel comfortable with her. And so if you had said no, then it wouldn't have worked. But because you guys were like, okay, you know, it was brave of you as adoptive parents to say, okay, we're just going to let them. Because you don't know if she's going to be knocking in your door in the middle of the night and say, I need money. Or that's the fear that everybody has. But she's not Mm -hmm. like that at all. No, we didn't get that vibe from her at all. Okay, so the coolest part about your story that we heard last week is the whole Filipino thing. Come on, guys. No, I know. <laughs> so wild. Tell yeah. our listeners who haven't heard last week's episode that connection. On one of the first letters that Laura wrote to us, she said, we just really feel like this baby was made for you guys. <laughs> because Jerome is half Filipino and his mom is Filipino and his his dad is white and we just feel like that especially is a perfect match for you guys. And it's pretty amazing. I mean, she doesn't, you can't tell that much that she's Filipino. So that makes her a quarter Filipino. You can see it in her eyes a bit. And the fact that she loves to eat rice. (laughs) But but other than that, yeah, she, she doesn't look like it. Was your family so happy? Totally. Oh my gosh. Over the moon. Over the moon. I mean, I'm sure they would have been happy either way, but just to know that this little baby that's about to be placed with you has a part of family history in her, I mean, that is so special. 
It's really special. And yeah, you're right. She, they would have been happy no matter what ethnicity, you know, she, she was. Okay. So talk to us about when you get the call and you're a doula, but you mm-hmm. were not her doula. No. I mean, there was, there was talk about maybe doing that, but we didn't want to put too much emphasis on that. Like, it, you know, it was a possibility and we were going to just see how things felt and how it rolled out and what she was needing and, and also what I was needing in it. So we kept it kind of loose. Okay. So when you showed up and she's giving birth, talk to us about what that experience was like. She called us at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday after we had just seen them on Saturday night for dinner. So it was really unexpected. And she said, I think I'm starting labor. And she said, maybe think about coming sometime later today. And then she called another three hours later and said, I think you better come now. So we, because we kind of took our time, we ate lunch and, you know. Yeah, she said you didn't even have a car seat. You were like tooling around getting a car seat. (laughs) We didn't. We had a car seat and had lunch. And then she was like, yeah, I think you better hurry. And then I think even the midwife or somebody texted and said, yeah, you should probably really get here. And so we walk in the door at about 3.20 and they said she's ready to push Wow. Good thing you got there. She wasn't pushing just yet, but she was close to 10 centimeters and she was in the tub and it was pretty amazing. And we came in really smoothly and just wanted, wanting to be respectful of what was going on in there. And it was beautiful. You know, she was laboring in the birth tub. So we, she had asked if she could not do a hospital birth and if we might be supportive of doing a birth center birth, by the way. So we did do that. And that was really sweet. I think that it contributed to, you know, it was just another part of like how beautiful the story is, you know, because we wanted to help her to have the experience that she wanted. So she was in the tub and we were there. I mean, literally she gave birth within 20 minutes of us Wow. Or half an hour. Yeah. That's so fast. Alan, what was this like for you? <laughs> it was cool. I mean, I, I was definitely nervous. Um, I'd never been at or seen a birth ever, you know what I mean, or a woman in labor. Jen, being a doula, sort of, she knew all the steps and all the things that were going on, but it was perfect, you know what I mean? I just came into the room, the midwife was there, the doula. Jerome was there, Laura was in the tub, and Jerome was supporting her and stuff like that. And yeah, I was just sitting and watching it all happen and just thinking this is this is unreal. This is like the best thing ever. So I always remember they had the country and western music playing. And <laughs> yeah. uh, I was always thinking, of, like, we have to make sure Eva listens to that later on. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, but no, it, it, was, it was perfect. I mean, it, it was quick. Like, I mean, the whole day was just kind of like, in labor and myself and Jen were talking we're like it's the first time you know it'll t- it, she could be in labor for hours and hours and hours but we were sort of like you know getting ready and getting the car seat and like getting organized and next thing they were like you need to come like and we were like flying down you know south of us here in San Jose to wow. traffic and I was like I was like oh man you can't miss this you can't miss this so just arrived in and then yeah I think it happened within 30 minutes or wow. so or something like that anyway like so it was cool. I mean, I'll never forget it, you know. It was very special. Did you cry? Did no. either of you? I definitely got a little 
teary-eyed. Yeah. I mean, I didn't full on cry, but yeah, it was, it was so special. It was so amazing. Did you think she was going to change your mind? Any part of you? No. Nope. And now you're mm-hmm. Filipino. Did you think, you know, your family, did mm-hmm. you think that Jerome's family was going to come in and say, no, 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 we can't do this. Mm-hmm. There was a part of me that thought that. Yeah, for sure. He kept reassuring us that it's true. My mom doesn't understand that we're doing this or why we're doing this. Cause it's not something she, she actually said it. It's not what we do, you know? So we always had that in the back of our minds that, Something could change, you know, maybe somebody in that family would come forward. But he just really assured us that that wasn't going to happen. And so we did trust. We were very trusting. We didn't allow that on that day, on the day of her birth, to come in, really. You know, we just wanted to be... um, In the moment. In the moment, Mm -hmm. yeah. And it was really beautiful. And of course, there was a lot, there were a lot of emotions. There were, there were a lot of people in the room too. You know, there were two midwives and it was plenty of us. We also had a photographer there. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I always um, say on the show, don't bring your photographer. Yeah. But she, she, you guys had a different relationship. So I'm talking about when the mother is grieving and you know, this is a really challenging decision and all of a sudden, adoptive parents are bringing in photographers to take the first pictures with the baby. I'm like, okay, no, Tacky, oh, don't do it. It wasn't even. It wasn't even our idea. It was Laura's. Yeah, I know. Idea. She's so <laughs> phenomenal. I can't believe this. And then I you know. guys invited them to come with you home. I mean, was that hard as adoptive parents to be like, hey, I'm going to share this time with them? A little bit, but it actually bit, yeah. made sense. I mean, but right, Ellen. I mean. We, it was a little bit hard, and we had to really talk about it, he and I. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I was definitely a little bit nervous about she would change her mind, because he asked that just a few minutes ago. But I was nervous, but deep down, I think I sort of knew that this was all meant to be. Like, But still, I'd be sort of I'd be the one that would be nervous about those kind of things, you know. But, yeah, it was a little bit nerve-wracking for them coming to the house, you know. I think for a couple of days afterwards, wasn't it? That's yeah, what she yeah, said. Yeah. It was a bit. <laughs> Two days. But, yeah. Three days, she said. The agency yeah, supported that. They said, yeah, that's fine. They really left it up to us yeah. in terms of how to do that time period, like the transition part. It's really a very unique thing, I think. You know, when she asked if that was okay, you know, she said, I just really want to know that things are fine and you know that she's settling in and that you guys are settling in and so we just thought well you know that really in some ways makes a lot of sense because if if she were just to cut off contact right away I think that might contribute to there being more grief than Mm -hmm. you know kind of settling in and, and processing everything together that you know we are doing this together and yeah on that third day they didn't stay very long, and they hugged the baby and us. We took pictures with ourselves, you know, with all five of us, and then they went to the adoption agency, and they signed the papers right then wow. and there. You know what yeah. I like about Laura? She tells you guys exactly what she needs. But and right. I think that that is half the battle, is figuring out what we should do, what role we have, what they need, are we meeting their needs? But she was like, this is what I want, and it seems like, 
if she asked for too much, you kind of said, okay, well, this is what we can give. And you guys kind of negotiated because she said, even after placement, you guys had to negotiate again, how many times she was going to see the baby in a year or how many Mm -hmm. pictures she got. And that is what open adoption is all about. It doesn't stay the same. It changes. And if you have this communication constantly where you're like, are you okay? Are we okay? What are we willing to bring to the table? What can you bring to the table? And really for the benefit of the child, this is all about what is best for the child. Mm -hmm. And so she has all these grandparents because she was saying that you guys are close to her parents and to Laura's parents. And so she has grandparents. She has all these people who love her. Why not invite people into your life that will love your child? If it's safe and these people are, you know, normal and you can have a relationship, why not? Why not? Exactly. The more people you can get to love your child. We, we have four and we find that we have aunts and uncles and people who are adopted aunts and uncles. And, you know, all these people who want to be involved in our kids' lives are like, that's great because they're like, everyone loves me. Yeah. And I have to yep. say that, you know, hearing the story last week and then hearing your side of the story and just how much I, I want to give you both credit for the love and the openness that you had even before. I think that's a big step that a lot of adoptive families are not willing to take necessarily. And it's really a beautiful thing. It really is to, to hear how you've been able to stay open, but still be truthful too. You're not just mm-hmm. making something up to make it work, but you're actually saying, no, this is what we need. And saying, yeah, it was hard. Those first three days was hard, but you also recognized that it wasn't just about you and it was for the child and for the birth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They were clear, like, Laura's not dramatic. You know, they weren't, there was no lying. There was no, you know what I mean? Like, it was just, oh, mm-hmm. this is what's happened. This, you know what I mean? And there wasn't any reason to doubt in the sense, like, you know what I mean, from what they were telling us, at least, you know? So, yeah, it was clear. But it had been all the way through and has been since. It was difficult for us parts of it all right fair enough like but but they were always very clear and upfront. so yeah, how so. is ava how is she now yeah oh, she attached 100%. she's adorable i'm gonna post pictures <laughs> all of that yeah she is attached totally it wasn't hard at all i mean it was definitely there were some challenges you know and the crying you know how a newborn is anyway and mm-hmm. then you know we weren't really sure you know oh here's a part of the story that I don't know if Laura shared this, but I feel like I want to share it because it was part of the fear and difficulty, not fear, but it was a little bit anxiety provoking for me that Laura breastfed her Ava in the first hour that she was born. And then she didn't do it again after that. Like even those first few days that she came over, she didn't breastfeed. But for me, that was a hard thing because then I kind of thought, she's probably looking for that, that breast, you know? And so I tried a little bit, you know, just using the little SNS, the small little feeding tube. And we kind of went that route. And it was funny because she and I had this moment. She was always very aware, like a really aware and communicative baby with her eyes and just her whole way from the first day she was. So anyway, when we were trying the breastfeeding, when I was trying it with her, with the tube, we got to this point where like we looked at each other and I just kind of was like, we don't need to do this, do we? <laughs> and I swear she, it was kind of like she nodded her head, like in, in agreement, you know, just kind of accepting that and it's okay. And we'll just keep doing the bottle. So that was one of the things in terms of, you know, when we talk about attachment, I'm, I wonder, did any of that have any ongoing effects, but it really didn't. I mean, I, 
really communicated with her everything. So she knew that I had her back. Like I, I was taking really good care of her in a way that felt good for her. And I, I knew that. And with Alan too, you know, like he really bonded with her. He did skin to skin, you know, for a long time with her as a newborn. Now, today, like she has no question. Like she sees Laura every four months, but she knows that I am mama and Alan is dada. And yeah, there's, it's, it's really sweet. And I think she appreciates being in contact with Laura. Mm-hmm. She asks for Jerome. Jerome doesn't come visit anymore, but she asks for him sometimes. And I say, he'll come around, but we're not really sure. So, yeah, it's really super sweet. And we're so grateful because she's, she's really awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Now, you want to adopt again. So... Mm-hmm. You have to come back on and share the story. I got to know, is it <laughs> as perfect as this one? What is the next story going to be like? We're all excited to find out and and to follow you guys. So thank you for taking the time to share this amazing story and just really your openness in adoption and your journey to bring home your baby. Both of you, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks You're for having welcome. us, April. Thanks for having us. A pleasure. Mm-hmm. Noah, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and remember all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Thank you for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week. Mm